I will solemnly remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will wholeheartedly remember your wonders of old. Psalm 77, verse 11. You must tell a new powerful tale, one so persuasive that it sweeps away the old myths and becomes the preferred story. One so inclusive that it gathers all the bits of our past and our present into a coherent whole. One that even shines some light into our future so that we can take the next step. Ivan Illich. A people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. Marcus Garvey. Progress, far from consisting in change, depends on retentiveness. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. George Santayana. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus. Welcome. Good morning. Glad to see you all. Uh, we are on our third week of the series Resolution or Resolution or resol Resolution, depending on your emphasis and how you uh, look at this. But I'm, I'm excited about this. This is, this is a culmination of a lot of prayer and a lot of um, dedication to wanting to see what's next for our church. And as you know, the, the last two weeks we spent time broaching this idea, getting our feet wet, so to speak, of this idea of sacred assembly, of solemn assembly. And it's been wonderful to hear uh, from uh, Peter Roblin last week and Sundar Krishnan the week before, of just kind of them sharing their experience. And this morning we're gonna take a little bit of a, of a detour from talking specifically about solemn assembly, but to actually give some context on how we ended up here in the first place. Um, I'm gonna take us back a uh, few months, a little over almost a year now, uh, March to be exact. Uh, if you've been around uh, our church, you'll know that uh, March was a bit of a challenging time uh, in 2020, uh, 2022. And uh, all of the staff gathered in this room here to come together and to pray and to be with one another and to encourage one another and just try and figure out just what, what is going on. Um, as I was sitting with worship, there's a, there's a, a line from uh, C.S. Lewis that was coming to, uh, coming to memory as we're sitting, and it's this idea of God speaking to us or whispering to us in our pleasures, speaking to us in our conscience, but then using a megaphone through our pain. And I thought, the megaphone is on full blast uh, in many ways. But, an, but that's also an opportunity for us to be able to hear clearly. And, um, and it was quite a powerful time here for our staff team, our pastors, our staff. Everyone was, was here. And we're just really uh, telling stories, checking in with one another, uh, and discerning what it was that God uh, would have for us. And a number of things came up that God was, seemed to be saying to us directly. Uh, one of the things was uh, a desire for a plurality in leadership as something that, that may be a way that we need to be going. Another was, what does it look like if we actually uh, invest and look at the giftings of the people in our church, not just on staff or pastoral, but even people in our, in our community, and invest in, in how people's giftings can 
can be a blessing and, and encourage the kingdom. But the one thing that stood out to me as the most important question, but also the seemingly the most impossible question, is now what? Or what's next? We have new leadership, hurting community, conflicting narratives, a post-COVID reality. Are we in person? Are we online? Town halls, hard news, uh, email communications, new allegations, old allegations resurfacing. I don't even know where do we even start. And as we gathered right here in this room, we talked and cried and laughed and prayed and wrestled with hope and hopelessness, and stories began to be shared about the things that had happened in the past. And for many of us, we'd never even heard these stories before, myself included. I said, how can we begin to even ask the question, where are we going? At first, we haven't answered the question, where have we been? And this is where Ed comes into the story. You'll notice I've got this wonderful gentleman sitting to my right. And um, maybe, Ed, I'm, I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell, you, tell the people who you are and, uh, and what you do. Absolutely. It's a privilege to be with you this morning and to, to participate in this. Uh, when you first called me, Quincy, it was, uh, I knew it was a providential conversation, but it didn't seem like it was the right opportunity for me to be a part of. And yet, as you called me back a second time, it became very evident that this was something that, that I could be a part of. And it's part of, of my experience, even personally. Um, I am a father of two children. Our son, uh, Joshua, lives in, in Brussels in Belgium, recently got engaged to be married. So we're going to be going to Europe in the next uh, couple of weeks just to plan a wedding and be a part of the celebration over there. And our daughter, Nicole, yes, that's worth celebrating, especially when you hear that he's 34. So it's been... <laughs> It's been a journey of, of just watching God's faithfulness in his life. And our daughter, Nicole, lives just north of us in Gravenhurst, Ontario. I drove down this morning from Muskoka, and uh, it's always a, a dicey situation when you're driving in the middle of winter a longer distance, but I'm thankful that this morning was a, a smooth drive. Uh, my wife, Cheryl, we lived uh, just south of Muskoka up there. And so my own personal journey was impacted by an experience called the Journey Wall. And I was in kind of a transition time in my life, and I participated in, in an experience that really took me deeper into a higher resolution look at my own life and how God had been working in my story to get a sense of how he was leading into the future. And that really is kind of the background to this. And uh, if you go to my laptop, I have two laptops and open them up. The document that I created as part of my own personal journey wall story is always open. And so uh, my own personal story, in 2019, I transitioned out of a leadership role. I've been involved in teaching. I've pastored our home church for a number of years, been on an elders board. I've uh, worked uh, in the global mission context, serving on a board of, of global mission, our senior leadership team within our denomination, and so on. Uh, but how do you put those pieces together in a meaningful way? It, it doesn't just happen. You need to have this intentionality to take a higher resolution look at your life. And so that's really how we came into a conversation. Your, my name was given to you, I think directly, Quincy, 
to get in touch with me because of, of my experience of doing this with individuals, but also with organizations and corporations to help them to understand their story as a means towards better strategic planning, visioning, and mission clarity and moving forward into next chapter. So that's kind of why I'm here this morning. It's been my privilege to work with Quincy and with the uh, senior leadership team in, in doing this, providing a framework to pull the pieces together, if you will, collectively to, to see what that story is. And so I don't, I don't think we're gonna go into the, the details of what that looked like, but it was providing a framework and I would facilitate the conversations with the senior leadership team, with the surveys that we created, and with interviews with people that the team had felt were, were important parts of, of this story that needed to be uh, picked up. But this, that process goes on because there are next steps to this as well. Right, and, and we'll have time to unpack a little bit of the work that you've been able to do with us uh, near the end of our time today, but more importantly and more fleshed out on uh, February 4th where we'll have an opportunity to actually walk through this intentionally. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring it to, to Scripture in a sense in that there are over 200 references, maybe 250 references. Yeah, I found in 243. 243, okay. Depending right, on the translation exact. you're yes. using. But. That either uh, encourage us to, to remember or not to forget. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a constant theme over and over again. And I was reminded in our worship time of going through Psalm 136 mm -hmm. of, a, of a reminder, yes, of God's endurance, his faithfulness. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. But if you notice in between those responses, you get to hear the story, right? The retelling of the story is something that we see over and over and over again as being very important. Uh, and it's not, it's not that it's, uh, it's not incidental that's there. There's actually an intentionality behind this, an intentionality of repeating the story and knowing it well for the children of Israel that we see in Scripture over again. So I, maybe you could take a few minutes to help us understand um, the scriptural significance of that, like, of why it is important to not forget. Yeah, it was Anna that led us through the, the psalm there, and th that's a corporate expression of doing that, where you m remind yourself of the story, and the psalms are full of that. In fact, scripture's full of that, reiterating the story, and the, the stoning of Stephen. What does he do? He tells the story over again. Uh, at Pentecost, when Peter gets up to speak, he retells the story. In fact, the mandate is given to, to parents specifically to do the same thing with children as a way of, we would use the expression of discipling them, but for them it was just so organic. It, this is what we do. And I remember being on a flight with, with a family that was by, by appearance very uh, Jewish in their appearance, including the hat and all the rest of it. And over the course of the flight, when a certain time period came, the whole family paused and they were doing that going into scripture. And you could see that, that the father in particular had memorized the scripture and he was reciting them from memory and the children all had the books and they were going through it. And I think there's something to their tradition that is powerful that way as a shared experience as a family. And so that mandate is given as you are walking, as you are sitting, as you are lying down, rehearse the, the story and the expressions come over and over and over again. And Jesus stands in that stream that he does not negate what it says in the Old Testament, but he makes clear reference to that. Um, you know, think of the Gospels, the way they take the time to develop the whole lineage, in, in Matthew in particular. It's retelling the story. You know, for those of us in the 20th century, if you don't have uh, you know, exposure or experience with the Bible, you think, well, who are these names? But for that first century audience, hearing the Gospel as it was being declared, or later on reading it, 
all of those names would trigger memories of what that part of the, the story is. And, and for me, thinking about that even, even as recently as this morning on the drive down here, somehow our stories are now connected. Whether we like it or not. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> right, right? And uh, now, providentially, I'm, I'm a part of the meeting house story. Right. And there, there's actually a record of it if this thing survives. As, as a page in that story. And there's something powerful about that to be a part of someone else's story. Especially in the context of a covenant relationship. It's not just incidental. And what God does in creating the covenant, he invites us into his story. Which is a far better story than any of us could tell. So it transforms our lives at a personal level. It'll transform the corporate, the organizational, or the, the shared experience part of that story. And it's an eternal story. So, so for me, it, it was powerful. And, and the word resolution, that's this three-part series, has been called resolution. As I thought about that, for me, it's high resolution. It's an opportunity to stop and to look more closely. And Scripture does call us to that as well, and we'll unpack that a little bit more. Kind of self-examination, uh, right? Yeah, exactly, that self-examination. So you think of um, even the way that Scripture unpacks the story, it allows for multiple voices to speak and actually even tell the stories in slightly different ways. First uh, and Second Chronicles, and then you jump over to First and Second Kings, and you think there's a slightly different emphasis in the way those accounts are given. Um, take the, the four Gospels as an example. It, you know, I'm 60 years old. I've lived with Scripture for, for decades now. But suddenly it hit me, four accounts. And God allows the, the, those individual voices to tell this story, and he doesn't bypass or short-circuit their individual perspective, their experience of it. And they're allowed to, to tell the story um, I, I believe, divinely inspired, but still, the, the epistles. Like, Peter doesn't get a chance to tell the gospel, but he does get to write a letter that his voice comes across, and, that, and that's part of the story. Anyway, it's, it's just, to me, it's, it's an expression of that. Um, the other thing that's powerful for me in terms of the, the, uh, the story in, in the Scripture is um, it doesn't gloss over the messy stuff. It, it's honest. Uh, it's brutally honest. And uh, it, it hit me just again, if we're looking, you know, you know, sometimes in our children's program we talk about the heroes of the Bible. We can never use that in the plural sense. Because if you, if you look at a higher resolution, the heroes, they fall very quickly. There is one hero in this story. There's one hero in this story. And if we can remember that, that that's important, Right? And we, we get to be a part of that story because of his, his grace, you know. I uh, recently read through, again, the, the account in Joshua, and Achan, one of the, the people involved, sins. And it's brutally honest about that. David, you know, who's held up as, as a man who was, you know, seeking after God's heart. You get into his story, and the Psalms, two-thirds of them are, are laments, and they really point to a brokenness. There, there's almost indications of some really deep uh, mental struggles that he goes through in, in the midst of, of his story. Peter, you know, The Rock, renamed The Rock, not the guy on, from Hollywood. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
called a rock, and yet he denies Jesus three times. Yeah. And it doesn't gloss over that. Yeah. You know, one of the 12, Judas, chosen by Jesus, bails, denies him, sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's just it's powerful. I say often, I'm, I'm so thankful that those things are included in, in, uh, in the gospel accounts of how often the disciples got it wrong because it, it actually gives hope for me. They were, they were that close to Jesus and spent time with him every day, and it's like, if, okay, if they can get it wrong, then I, there's, maybe there's hope for, hope for me to, 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 for some kind of redemption because we know that story actually, we know how it ends, right? It, it ends in a, in a way of redemption, of healing, of wholeness, of, of kingdom. As, uh, regardless of how dark it can seem, or yeah, yeah. And, and the story is not fully written yet. That that God is continuing to work in in the midst midst of the story, and so yeah, th there's a real real invitation to to tell story and to tell it well. Not not to to you know we we live in a not even bumper stickers are kind of passe, but 100 and, is it 140 characters on Twitter? Is it? Anyway, social media, you're... I'm, I'm not mature enough to have a no, Twitter account, so I have no idea. <laughs> is, is that an old man's social media platform? <laughs> anyway, I'm not on Facebook. I'm too old for Facebook. But, you know, we limit our communication to these. Think of your conversations through the week. They're always so kind of abbreviated. And I've, I've resolved in myself when somebody says, how are you doing, to not say, fine. And I've responded. Well, that's what everyone's supposed to say. Yeah. Well, I know. You're, I you're know breaking that, the rule. But I, I've responded to some, if you really want to know, let's grab a coffee. And I'm so encouraged that the long-form conversation is starting to, to find its place again, where we don't limit meaningful um, participation. To, this morning is an exception, but we don't limit it to 20 minutes because there's so much more to be said. Anyway, I, I could go on for a while, but I'm excited to be able to do this kind of thing because I think it's re, recapturing and, and, and a tool for helping to tell story. Yeah. So, so on that note, let's continue the story where we, like, I, I let, you know, brought us up to speed as how we, how we got introduced and right, how we met. Right. So maybe give us some background on, so what's happened since then, and then, you know, the heart behind the, the work that, that we've been involved in and the, the ultimate plan for the fourth. Yeah, I suggested there was a reticence on my part to get, to get involved initially because I didn't feel that I had the, the, the information, let's say, to, to be a meaningful part of this. But what, what was helpful when, when it was clarified that I would be helping to facilitate a process, and that's what I came with, was the tools, the framework, and then what I love doing is facilitating the conversation. And as we sat together over a long period of time with, with the senior leadership team, just to hear them sharing the different pieces that they were each carrying and starting to see that take shape. And then when we sent out that survey and invited those that were willing, and the responses were fairly, fairly good, in terms of what's your piece, what's your part of the story that you've experienced or seen or heard, and it becomes this shared story. And so to begin to put those pieces together, and what I'd committed to was to create an interactive way of engaging that story and seeing the different, you know, we use the expression, the different chapters, and what are the big themes, what are the learnings, what are the questions, where are the inflection points in the story? which can so easily be lost even in, in, our, in our own stories. My name is Eduardo. I was born in southern Brazil. We moved to Canada in 1969. I met and married my wife, Cheryl, 
after our high school experience. In fact, I fell in love with her in grade nine, asked her to go out with me on a date, and she said no, but by grade 12, she said yes. <laughs> but think about that, the inflection point when my family got on a plane in 1969, changed the trajectory of our lives. And so when you look at your story, you see what maybe even minor details or seemingly insignificant choices that we make. Some of you are sitting beside someone right now that relationship started with a, do you want to grab a coffee? And here, you know, for me, it's almost 40 de uh, decades, no, 40 years, four decades. Four decades later, I'm still with Cheryl, and we're living this story, yeah. right? So it, high resolution is so important, and, and that's where you want to pay attention. If there's strong emotion, if there's suddenly a shift, and we, did, we looked at some metrics around that as well, to say this happened, and look at what happened in terms of the tra trajectory of the community, it changed. I drove on this morning and I was reminded of that. I saw the sign, the meeting house. What happened to Upper Oaks? Some of, some of you may have been around and you identified as Upper Oaks. Suddenly there's this shift. I don't know how long that conversation took, but it's significant. I was in Prince Edward County in the fall with some friends of ours and drove past this little white uh, siding, sided church, Prince Edward County, I saw the sign, the meeting house. Their story is now tied to your story. Many of you may ha not have met those people, but they're part of a bigger story. So it's, it's exciting. Our, our generation, our culture, does not know how to tell story well, by and large. Hollywood is, is bankrupt. I'm sorry, but sequences and prequels and postquills and does that sound judgmental? It's like we need to, we as God's people need to know how to tell the story well. His story and our story. I'm, I'm on a bit of a rant here. What, what's wrong with that? That's broken up there. That time is going fast, my friend. We yeah, need to absolutely. keep this bus moving because yeah. the station's yeah, coming. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, and picking those pieces, going back to those conversations earlier of just. Uh, Revealing and having a better understanding. Oh, okay, that's connected to this, and maybe this is an influence to that. Has been so, um, so helpful in us being able to see uh, see patterns, looking for the, uh, different places where we can be celebrating, and then it, it, and it it actually ties into the whole purpose. As as this kind of process has gone through, we've said, okay, well, these are, these are the things that we want to do, and we want to do well as we tell our story, as imperfectly as we can. Right? We know that uh, this won't be exhaustive. Right? Uh, there's so much. There's we wanted it to be comprehensive, comprehensive but it's not exhaustive. Yes, that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but how do we get to those main things, right? It's the question that you were kept putting back to us. How do we get to those main inflections or those, those crucial points of, aha, ah, here's an interesting thing. Could this have affected this later on down the road? And it just starts to create a, a better picture. But then, so, so the goal then, as, as things developed, was how do we um, celebrate the good that God has done? How do we have an opportunity to repent honestly for the places in which maybe we, we need to be repenting? How do we lament missed opportunities where it seems as though God was really trying to push us in this direction and instead we decided to go a different way? How do we acknowledge that? And then uh, finally, after we kind of sit with that, look, it's, it's a helpful tool to discern our way forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful um, as to what's next in this process. And I'd love if you'd be able to just share a few minutes and give us a, 
an exhortation or a few words of encouragement for well, us? In a nutshell, Quincy, you have every reason to be hopeful. His love endures. Have you heard that before? His love endures forever, and it will continue. It will continue. And so, if, if I may, I just want to encourage you with, with a section of Scripture, part of Scripture that I've spent a lot of time in. I, I made a, a transition in 2019 in my life with all kinds of hopes and aspirations. I actually traveled to a meeting at an airport in Peterborough with my son at the beginning of 2020 uh, with starting a new business and, and we're going into some ventures even together and whatever. Well, you know what happened in 2020? This, that was January, and by March, my wife Cheryl and I were in Brazil. We were starting to look for long-term rental in Brazil because we may not get home at that point. But God saw all of that, and he's been so faithful in the midst of it. So for me, Jeremiah 6, 16, through that section became really, really important, and uh, it's one of those sections that I've highlighted in my Bible. And I, I'd like to quickly walk. This is going to be a buckle your seatbelts because this is going to have to be faster than what we'd have even anticipated. So there, there are a few key words that I just want to draw your attention to. So Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He's spilling his guts. He's called to this really tough mandate to go and declare hard words to the people of Israel. And he, he calls them on their stuff, and, and he struggles with that deeply. But in the midst of all of that, in, in chapter 6, there are these, these words that just radiate. They're, they're, they radiate this hope. They're this bright light. And it's an invitation from God. And it starts with the words, this is what the Lord says. Those are words we need to pause at. That's a prophetic declaration that was a very weighty thing for Jeremiah to do because false prophets were under the potential judgment and the threat of being stoned if they were found to be false prophets. So to stand up and say, this is what the Lord says, that's serious business. And then he says, stand at the crossroads and look. So th there's, there's an invitation. Roads are places of action. You get on a road to go somewhere, but God's saying, stop, stand. And then there's a second action, and that is, look, look. Not glance. You know, we, we fly through life often at a high rate of speed, and when do we actually stop to look? There's an old story I'm going to quickly tell. I know time is really short, but uh, two brothers, one living in the city, one out in the country. The country brother went to live at this, visit the, the city brother. They were walking down the street, and suddenly the, the country brother stops, and he says, do you hear that? And the brother's like, hear it. It's traffic. It's noise and all the rest of it. And the young country brother says, look here. And he lifts a branch, and there's a bird's nest. He heard it then. In the midst of all the noise, he was paying attention to something different. So the invitation is to stand, stop, slow down, reflect, look, and then another action word, ask. Ask. There's an invitation into conversation. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And then another action word, and walk in it. So it's a process of reflection, pausing, looking, which is part of that, that journey wall experience of, of reflecting and, and reminding ourselves of the story and, and even retelling the parts that may be hard to tell. 
and being willing to go there, but then to ask where the good way is. And that starts to shift your perspective and your gaze now goes from being that, that inward focus to saying, which way do we go of the choices that are in front of us? And then the action to walk in it, to walk in it. So are you willing to walk it out? And that requires endurance. It requires perseverance. And the only thing that sustains us in that is the God's love that endures forever. And I love this last part of it, because who doesn't want this, especially in the midst of all that we've lived through as a culture, individually, as, as churches, and as a country. Walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Do this with me. Remember the invitation, I think it was Sunder, that said, you have to exhale before you can inhale. Get the CO2 out to bring in the oxygen. Jesus invited us to be a part of that. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 11. It's, it's what we would often do almost as, as a rote experience, and that is to pause, whether it's monthly or at strategic points, high points in the year. Maybe you do it as a family or maybe even individually where you pause for the Lord's Supper or communion. Or I don't know what language you use here. But Paul invites us in 1 Corinthians 11 as part of that experience because it's an inv invitation to, to use the words of Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. But part of that experience Paul brings out this idea of examine. Before you breathe in, breathe out. It's a weighty matter, he says, to do that lightly. And, and I've been guilty of that, right? Like it's, okay, here we are, it's third Sunday or it's Easter or whatever. We tie it to without doing that, breathe out and then receive the revelation and you will find rest for your souls. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Um, I'd love to uh, pray for us uh, before we go. I'm, uh, I'm encouraged by, uh, by where, where this has led us, um, where we're going. Um, this sounds silly, but I'm reminded back when I learned how to do long division in uh, <laughs> elementary school. And I, had, I somehow knew how to get the answers right, but I wouldn't get marks for it. My teacher would say, no, uh, go back and, and show me your work. And I said, oh, yeah, but I got the right answer. Like, what do you, I said, no, 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 you need to show your work. Uh, show the process and, and the journey in which it, you had to take in order to get there. Because that actually is uh, even more important than the final destination. So, uh, so I'm encouraged as we kind of go through this, uh, this, this time um, that we would be able to enjoy the pro, like show the work uh, go through the process together. But let's pray. Jesus, you uh, are a gentle, kind, and loving Savior. And uh, all we can say is thank you for that. We thank you for uh, creating opportunities for us to be able to engage, to hear from you, and to trust in your bigger story. That's so much bigger than, than us, but but somehow uh, we're, we're, we're stitched together in this unusual tapestry, um, knowing that at the end uh, it will be beautiful. So uh, let our minds, let our gaze be focused on the good that is to come. 
uh, that we would trust in your promises, that they're yes and amen, because your love endures forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.